Thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream, Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. This podcast is a live recording of the Educator Hour at uh, Dream, covering P-cubed and how to do a presentation. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. Any guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospitals NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Right then, so guys. So we're going to be kick-starting the Educator Hour. And I'm going to do a talk on how to do a presentation. Okay. Hopefully by the end of this talk you'll realise there's something very wrong with this slide that we've got up here. This is an ironic slide. Okay. Hopefully all will be clear. So, objectives, because you've got to have that at the beginning of your PowerPoint. I'm going to teach you how to do a PowerPoint presentation. I'm going to show you why bullet points are bad. I'm going to show you some things you may not have seen before. I might even teach you some history. I will prove that reading word for word off a screen is not teaching. I will teach you that PowerPoint is rubbish. And hopefully the irony is not wasted here. <laughs> okay. So if you've been to conferences before, they like to make very grand gestures, something like this. I will change how you teach. I'm not going to change how you teach, because how you teach is up to you. But what I'm going to do is change, hopefully, how you approach presentations. So to start, I'm just going to show you a slide uh, some of you may have seen before. This is an example of a slide that we used to use here at Dream when I started. Would anybody like to say a few words about this? Don't worry about feelings. The person who wrote this is no longer in the uh, department. What do you think? It's too wordy and busy. Too wordy and busy? Yep. Anything else? Yep. Different fonts, yeah, good. Sorry? There are no pictures, yeah, okay. Does it make the audience distracted from what actually you are teaching? Very good, sorry. A lot of abbreviations that aren't Excellent, exactly. So some people might not quite understand some of the things, yeah? Does it make you want to read? Does it make you want to listen to me? No. No. Does it make you think that I've put a lot of effort into this talk? No. No. Brilliant. Exactly. But you do want to read it, even though you know it's rubbish. Exactly, and we'll talk a bit more about that. Why? What is in there, so actually you want to listen to the speaker. So this is not a slide. This is a slideument. Okay. This is the unholy child between a document and a slide. That they made a baby and that is the response okay you've basically taken a whole load of text and smacked it onto a slide and you therefore are doing a presentation okay this phrase was coined by this chap who simon has very luckily heard from uh, and i've talked about before his name is ross fisher he uh, previously worked at leicester a pediatric surgeon and when he's not busy saving children's lives, he has tried to revolutionise the way that educators do presentations. Okay. Um, he's all over YouTube. He has his own website, which is up there. I'll, I'll put that up again at the end of the presentation. Uh, and he uses one of my favourite films ever uh, to make a very good point about presentations. It's the film Blade Runner. I don't know if anybody's ever seen it before. Okay. Uh, there's this scene at the end, basically it's a sci-fi film, but it's actually a film that explores what it means to be human, so it's actually a very beautiful film. 
and Ryan Gosling was in the sequel last year, which is also very good. And this final scene, the android called Roy, just as he's about to die, gives this beautiful soliloquy to Harrison Ford's character about the amazing things that he's seen in his short four-year life. Very good film. You I really recommend you go and watch. See it in your face. I do. I love that film. It's an absolutely brilliant film. It's one of my all-time favourites, and I think that sums it up beautifully. I've seen things you wouldn't believe. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in rain. I've been to some amazing conferences and spoke, heard some amazing professors, and I cannot remember a single thing that they said because those things that they've seen that they're telling me about were lost, like tears in rain. Okay. We've seen amazing things, we're nurses, we're doctors, we're educators, and yet it's the saddest thing ever that the things that we tell our students may be lost, and that that hour, that two hours that we spent with them actually matters to nothing. We have to find a way to bring it back, to make it last. Okay. And that's hopefully what this talk is all about. So, my elevator pitch to you today. You're Alan Sugar, we're in the lift together. I've got half a minute to impress you. I'm passionate about teaching in the right way, and I want to show you how I approach presentations, and more importantly, why I do them this way. I'll show you what inspires me, and I hope it will inspire you too, because I want Dream to do great presentations, and only great presentations. And that's what this is hopefully about, is about inspiration. That's what the academic meeting is all about. That's what the educator hour is hopefully all about. That's what teaching is all about. Inspiration is the greatest gift that you can give someone. And that's what we do, what we do as educators. So this is the point I need you to get your phones out. And I know that there are two of you who are on Twitter. So what I want you to do, those of you who are on Twitter, is to get a selfie with the people you are with who are not on Twitter. Just oh, smile. <laughs> Ali, you're on Twitter, so you need to. Oh, and now. Ali as well. We're not going to break the internet with just one person on Twitter. Can you get those all in that one? Maybe. Are you all in at that? Yeah. Yay. Are you not going to be in, Jamie? I can be in it if you want. <laughs> no. Oh, lost my point. Yep. 
But before we start then, maybe we can get Jane as well. Go. Everyone, Sorry. Uh, I won't be in the picture. There we go. Well done. Okay. Hold on to that photo. You can mess around with the filter if you want to. Okay. So, there's a very important reason, not just about making pretty pictures, and that's what people have to say about this way of doing presentations, is, oh, Jamie does his pretty pictures. I've heard that before. Okay, and it's just pretty pictures. There's actually a lot of science behind it. So, a study was done, 30 students, about teaching them about the treatment of hypovolemic shock. And they were shown this slide, and I think this probably will bring back memories of all of you from university, from conferences that you've been at, this sort of a slide. Bit of a slidement, isn't it, about hypovolemic shock. So they were shown this slide, and they were shown an audio at the same time of their professor talking them, to them about hypovolemic shock and how you treat it. They were then also shown this slide and had the same audio about their professor talking them through hypovolemic shock. They were then tested their recall a few months later. Which slide do you think had the best recall? There you go. I've kind of set that up, haven't I? Yeah. This slide had much better recall than this one. But what's concerning, or was concerning at the time, is that this slide has a much worse recall than this one. Nothing at all. This is the greatest slide in the world ever. And this is an important slide, and we'll come back to that later. So, if this slide is rubbish, why do we use it? Why, if I, you are asked to do a presentation, you run straight to your laptop, open it up, get up PowerPoint or Keynote, and you do something like this? Why? Why do we do it? Historic. What? History, yeah. Yeah, any other reasons? It's a crutch. It's a crutch, it's a support, yeah. It's also, it's easy, absolutely. I'm going to show you everything I know and write it out. There you go. You know, Times New Roman, centred with some bullet points up against a white screen. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're all a bit like that. All uniform. Never mind the fact that... Do you know how many rules of communication PowerPoint breaks? 93. Communicating that way breaks 93 forms of human communication. I'm not going to go through them all, but they're there if you check on the internet. It breaks 93 rules. So we go back to the PQ approach. So Simon knows this, and I think Andrew you've, and Ali, you've already heard some parts of this talk. But he basically breaks down any effective presentation, bear in mind it's a presentation, not a PowerPoint, into three components. P1 is your story, what you're saying. Media is P2. That's what you're using to support and how to show it. And P3 is delivery. That's how you're doing what you're doing. Okay. And if you think about it, any presentation is like that. You can have the Royal Shakespeare Company at the Globe Theatre. So you're getting the best story delivered in the best place by the best people. If you had Romeo and Juliet being performed in a village hall by a group of seven-year-olds, not so good because it's a, com it's a product of all of those three parts and that makes P cubed and that's why it's called P cubed. Of course if your child is in that group of uh, seven-year-olds doing Romeo and Juliet of course you think it's the best thing ever but then of course you always need to think about your audience as well so it does come into that. 
So, first part of that is story. And at its base level, all education is a story. That's what you're doing. You're in front of your audience and you're telling them a story. It's not the what, it's the so what. Why is this worth your time? Why is it worth you to sit here and listen to me talking to you about this? And that's what you've got to find, the so what in what you're talking about. Why is it relevant? Why is it worth it for you? You cannot cover everything. This is a, an artist who covered the Reichstag building in Berlin for some reason. Okay. I've been to the Reichstag last year when I was in Berlin. It's a big building. It would have taken him or her a very long time to do this. You cannot cover everything in a presentation. If you try, you fail. Frank will tell you about this great talk he did about hand anatomy once. And he asked his students about it the next day and none of them remembered a thing. And he tried to cover absolutely everything. You need to find that key point, something to grab your audience, something to inspire them. And then you show them where they can go to get it on further. Okay, a blog entry, a website, a podcast, something else. Okay. I didn't learn how to be a doctor in lectures. You wouldn't have learned how to be doctors and nurses in lectures either. It was out there on the shop floor seeing patients. What was useful were the presentations that inspired you to keep going. Do you know who this guy is? Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen, the king of cool. He wore a very good cardigan. I'm very, you know, he's a good guy. Uh, great escape, most Christmases he'll be on. When he was given a script by a, by a director, the first thing he would do was cross out all the stuff he didn't want to say. He said, I, I don't do exposition, I only say the cool stuff. Okay. That's what you need to do in your talk. Get rid of the flannel, cut straight to the key message. You might say, but I haven't got a great story to tell. I will draw your attention to this film. I hope you've all seen Rays of the Lost Ark. You've not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> 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 like Gosh, okay. So, you are aware of Indiana Jones? Yeah, not Okay. Fine. <laughs> so. <laughs> the youth of today. Right. So. A young Jamie, about six, seven, eight years old. I used to devour this film. I used to have the hat on. I borrowed my mum's satchel. I took a belt out of my dressing gown, pretended it was a whip. I used to pretend I was Indiana Jones most days. There were sequels to it. There were sequels to it. It's a great story, those of you who've watched it. Well, not really. Indiana Jones is sent to get the, stop the Nazis getting the Lost Ark. They get the Lost Ark. They open it like they would have done without him. They get melted like they would have done without him. Indiana Jones has no relevance on the plot whatsoever, and yet it's an absolutely great story. So you can make something great out of virtually anything. I'm not really selling it very well, Laura. It is a great story. Just based on that, that's not my thing. Well, when your kid grows up, you'll be like, yeah. When your boy grows up. What, when Lewis is going around with a yeah. power hat with my satchel, addressing him if he's brought up, If he's brought up properly, he will. So what you need to do, what you need to do is just like anybody making a film, is to create a storyboard. And this is my storyboard for this presentation. Okay. And this is actually the longest part of the whole process, is to find out actually what you're going to say. Your key message that you're going across, and then your journey up here about how you're going to get there. It doesn't matter how you do it, it can be on a scrap piece of paper, but as long as you do it, and go through several versions of it and to find that key message. <coughs> and that key message is very important. 
Name the film. Cinderella. There we go. The two uh, sort of teenage boys at the end are like. <laughs> <laughs> Just that one image, and I brought up a whole story in your mind that you may not have seen for years or decades. Okay. Even those of you who may not have seen the film, you are aware of this concept. There you go. Okay. Cinderella. I'm going to tell you now the story of Cinderella. Okay. Cinderella got married. That's the story of Cinderella. Shall I tell you it again? Cinderella got married. Another time? Cinderella got married. Is that the story? No. Well, it is really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Very briefly. Absolutely. <laughs> Harry Potter was a wizard, went to school. You know. So, but in your mind's eye, there's these other bits and bobs that are going along. So this lady comes along and sings bibbidi-bobbidi-boo and turns her into a princess. And there's a pumpkin as well. Okay. Other things like that. These are what are known as spark points. So these are little bits that aren't actually part, that aren't the main story itself, but they're the bits that keep your audience's interest. And those spark points make spark lines as you join them up. And these are the things that keep your audience interest during your presentation and should be wrapped up by the end. And it's important to have those going along. As a rule of thumb, if you're doing an hour-long presentation, at least one every seven minutes, just to keep your audience going along. But at the same time, you've got that key central message, the glass slipper. That's your lightning slide. That's the thing that your audience will remember and draw the rest from. So even just by bringing that up in front of you, you've got that whole story in your mind. Okay? And that's what they want. That lightning slide, they go, yes, that was that presentation on blur. And it's trying to find an interesting sort of theme and an angle on it. And you can be as creative as you want with this. And this is sometimes the bit that I enjoy the most. So we've had a lot of presentations done recently for our new nurses. And we get new medical students coming in. And one of the presentations we get asked to do is about abdominal pain. And abdominal pain in A&E can be completely benign. Or it can be really serious. So I sort of came up with a slide a bit like this. Imagine you're those people on that boat and you've got this shape underneath you. There's something there. Is it a whale or is it a shark? Is it something that's big but benign, that's just going to swim away and you can sort of enjoy looking at it, pretend you're David Attenborough? Or is it something that's going to view you as food and you need to get out of there very, very quickly? Is it biliary colic? Is it a triple A? Another thing is shortness of breath. We see a lot of it. It's very, very common. Most of it's not going to kill you. But there's an absolutely one must-never-miss diagnosis, pulmonary embolism, PE. We must never miss it. PE, the needle in the haystack. So as you come up with something like that and think about it, that can be your lightning point. That can be something you then build your presentation around. And people can go, I don't necessarily remember everything about abdominal pain, but I do remember that presentation that had a shark or a whale. Oh yeah, and there was that and that and that. Or I do remember that talk that was about, is it, and where's the needle in the haystack? Oh yeah, shortness of breath is common, but we need to think about PE. And you build it out like that. And then it's time to start thinking about our media. Now this is the trouble. People always think this is the point, just the media, and it really isn't. I'm sure we've all had slides like this that we've already talked about. The heart is a pump, it has four chambers, the aorta carries oxygenated blood away from the heart to the body. You are reading that whilst watching me read along with you. 
It's not story time with mother. What is the point? Okay. You may get slides like that. This is a heart, in case none of you educated people knew. How patronising is that? Okay. Illustrate, don't annotate. That's better. That's even better. What a nice big picture. And I can start talking to you now about the anatomy of the heart. Okay. You guys know immediately that's a heart. I'm not patronising you and off we go. But there's more to it than that. And the science, and the science of learning in that. So I'm going to draw you on to our next part of this talk, which is called the brain in a nutshell. Okay. If you understand how your audience thinks and how your audience learns, you can build your presentation using that. First thing is, our brain absolutely loves patterns. Okay. The first pattern that we ever love and that we learn to love is the human face. And I'm sure you'll always find that. I think there's whole uh, bits on Instagram and Twitter about faces that people have found in things, in buildings, etc. This, for example. I know that this is a picture of a part of Mars called Cydonia that was taken in 1976. And I know that you are all immediately drawn to that bit up there because it looks like a human face. It's not. But it looks a bit like a human face because the way the shadow is and you're drawn to it. Another pattern that you're always drawn to is words. If you put words up on a screen, no matter how much I do this, you're going to be looking at the screen. Even if it is something as boring as my mobile phone contract, you're all going to start reading it. And I'm going to have to do this to bring you back. But if I do it again, you've lost you again. Oh, I've got you back, I've lost you again. Okay. You don't care about my mobile, char uh, my mobile phone or how I'm going to be charged about roaming, etc. But you're reading. You may already be all the way down there. Even if I say don't read, and even if I write, don't read, I've lost you. Away you go reading. Most pointless thing ever. Okay, and I've lost you. I'm not engaging with you anymore. There's more problems with this as well. So, is the stuff that's in big letters less important than the stuff that's in bottom letters at the bottom? What do the bullet points mean? What's the fact that some have got an indentation? What about if it goes over to the next slide? You're already maybe putting in your mind a hierarchy that what's down here is not as important as up there. So I may have important things about abdominal pain in A&E, and I may put gastritis as my top thing, AAA at the very bottom, just because that's how I've written it. And but in your mind's eye, you think AAA is not as important as gastritis. That's the risk we run. We're putting in a hierarchy. You're distracting you. You can't you know, follow me along. And that's because of a concept called cognitive overload. No matter your gender, no matter your intelligence, you cannot multitask. Not properly. Okay, that's just a fact. I'm not making any statements. Nobody can multitask. Doesn't matter the size of your brain, you cannot read and listen and write and learn all at the same time. You just cannot. So we need to think that. Three seconds. Human beings have a very short attention span. If they cannot find the meaning in what you've put up in front of them in three seconds, they will stop caring. Fact. They'll sit there properly going like this, if they're very good at it, or they may get the phone out or something, but they will just not follow you anymore. Okay. Unless they can see that fact in three seconds. And that's important when we're choosing our images, because we can get this beautiful, abstract, lovely picture, but if it's got nothing to do with what we're talking about and people can't find the meaning in what you put in front of them, it's pointless. So think about that as well. Which brings me on to the next point, dual coding. 
So were any of you told at school, or did you have teachers at school that said, you're a visual learner, you're an auditory learner, you learn by doing. Do you hear that sort of thing, that you are this type of learner? It is utter rubbish. I still hear that a lot in your mentorship course, which I've just done. It's all about that. It is absolute rubbish. They'd spend a lot of sessions talking about it. I know. And it is really infuriating. Dual coding is a theory, I'm going to say this wrong, uh, it was in 1971 by a gentleman called Alain P uh, Pavio, who was a Canadian um, psychologist. Basically, we remember things differently if we've heard them and if we've seen them. So if I say to you the word dog, you bring it up in your mind's eye a dog, that's using a different pathway than if you see the, the words dog or see a picture of a dog. Fact. But as part of this dual coding is we learn very well with just the right mixture of pictures and words. If we see a nice picture with some short words on it, that's a key thing that we can remember and learn and draw from. It's dual coding and it's proven. So, I'm a massive history geek. I love Indiana Jones. I'm going to teach you a little bit of history. Okay. World War II. Right. The Battle of Britain was July to October 1940. The first atomic bombing was on Hiroshima on August the 6th, 1945. Okay? So this is a traditional sort of slide. I'm going to stick some pretty pictures there. There's a Spitfire. There's a mushroom cloud. This is not dual coding. This is dual coding. Spitfire with my key point there. And you've looked at it. It takes you less than a second to get the meaning. And I can leave it there. I can put down the clicker and we can start talking about the Battle of Britain in 1940. And that's your thing there that you've got there, key point that I want you to get across that you're drawing on. Something like that. Mushroom Cloud 6845. You can put the clicker down. I can talk to you about when the world's first atomic bombing took place. The rule of thirds. Have any of you ever got your iPhone out and noticed that a grid pops up when you're trying to take a photo? Have any of you ever noticed that on your iPhone? you ever wondered why that happens? No? Never noticed? Okay. So this is just a random photo that I got off the internet. These people are nothing to me. It's just an elderly couple on a beautiful <coughs> autumn day on the swings and they're staring at each other. It looks a nice picture, doesn't it? It looks nice and balanced. Even though in our mind, we don't really know, maybe don't know why, I like this photo. I find myself looking at him, I find myself looking at her. Neither of them has dominance, it's a nice, even though he's up here, she's down there, it just looks nice and balanced. Background is nicely blurred. Background is nicely blurred, Simon. Beautiful. Okay. We can slightly manipulate it. Suddenly he seems a bit more dominant and it doesn't really feel quite right. She may look a bit scared, yeah. Well, I could do that. And maybe she's now more a bit dominant. Maybe you find yourself looking at her more than you are at him. You know, slight manipulations. And this is the rule of thirds. Basically, you take your screen, you do two horizontal lines and two vertical lines to make it up into nines. Basically, the human brain loves things that are along these lines, the horizontal lines and the vertical lines. We love things that are along there. We really love it where they join, those four points. Those are known as power points. And professional photographers will try and get the important bits in their photos in those points. You, the amateur photographer might think, I want my subject right in the middle, in that bit. But that actually is quite a boring place for us to look at. 
A professional photographer will tell you that actually if you stick things in those corners, in those PowerPoints, that creates tension, it creates drama, and we like that. So for this one that I manipulated, the reason he's probably more dominant is that his face is now at one, almost at one of those PowerPoints, whereas she's down here not really doing much. Whereas in that one, she's taking up a lot of that vertical line, and her face is pretty much at that PowerPoint there as well. Whereas in the original photo taken by a professional photographer, their face is pretty much at the PowerPoints. It's nice and balanced. That's why we like this photo. And we can use that when we're making images for our presentations. So this is an image I made for, uh, to tell people that elderly people with abdominal pain have an eight times increased mortality risk. It's an elderly bloke, eight times. Simple. But the science behind it. Because this is the original picture that I got off the internet. And if we apply the rule of thirds, his face is actually right in the middle in that boring area. Okay. If I manipulate it there, his eye is right at a PowerPoint. And the other point, like we said, we love faces. Once we see a face on a screen, we want to follow where that face is looking. So if we draw an arrow from where he's looking, I can uh, see where it crosses that line and it's almost at another PowerPoint. I can stick my eight times there. So then I've got his eye and I've got my eight times at PowerPoints, and it's a nice balanced screen that it's nice to look at. People look at that, takes them less than a minute to find, uh, less than a second, sorry, to find the meaning, and it looks nice to look at. That's important. It's all science, evidence-based. Now then, if we are doing some writing, we have to choose a font. Not all fonts are equal. Which, which font is this? Come on, Ali. Which font? Comic Sans. It's quite amazing how much hatred Comic Sans inspires in people. And if you go to do a presentation, some places will actively say, do not do Comic Sans. Because for some reason it looks slapdash, it doesn't look professional. If you notice, my first slide was in Comic Sans as well for that reason. What about when it's all in capital letters? What do you think? It's like it's shouting at you. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know how we read words? Do we read them letter by letter? We read them by a shape, which is why road signs are written with a capital and then lowercase. Because actually we don't read letter by letter, we read it as a shape. So actually, lowercase is far easier to read than uppercase because we look at the shape of the word and it's easier to follow. And like Janet said, it doesn't look like you're shouting at your audience. So think about your fonts. Think about your audience. This is a conference I was at in Antwerp uh, in October. Uh, this is an audience eye view of the screen. Can any of you read what's on that screen? No. So I knew I was doing this talk, I know the layout of the dream rooms, so that's fine. If I was going to be asked to do this over at Jubilee campus or somewhere else, a key point I need to know is what is the layout of the room? Because there is no point in preparing a great presentation if I'm in a room full of 500 people and the people at the back aren't going to see a word of it. So a good rule of thumb is to get out your slide deck, look at the view and actually see can I read what's on those slides on my slide deck? And if you can't, 
that means that the people on the other side of a room of 500 people aren't going to be able to. If you're in a sh small intimate room with a small group of people, fine. But if you've got a bigger group, not fine. So always think about that as well. What about animations? Look how fun I am. My words bounce. Ooh, I've got some interesting changes. Look at these transition slides. Isn't it great? Yeah, no. Don't distract from what you're doing. Okay. For the love of God, don't have that applause sound effect. If I, you know, just why, you know. Don't distract from what you're doing. Look professional. Okay. You can deliver it with a smile on your face. People will hopefully find that you're quite a nice person that way without having to have word bouncing at them. This is a key logo to look for. This is Creative Commons. You're looking for this when you're picking images off the internet. That basically means you can use it for whatever purpose. And there are increasing number of websites that are available for that. So if you go to Getty Images, for example, they always stick their watermark on it. It says big Getty Images on it, unless you pay a lot of money so you can use it. But there are other websites. Wikicommons, for example. Wikipedia puts up their photos that have the uh, Creative Commons thing on. Basically, you can use it for whatever. Yes, if you're doing a small group teaching to a group of people, fair enough. But if we're putting things out there on the internet that people are paying to look at, we can get ourselves in trouble if we haven't looked for this logo. Memes. Mm. Have you seen these sort of things on the internet? It's a way of sort of making a point and trying to be a bit funny. Uh, a year ago when I talked about this sort of thing, I extolled the virtues of memes. I think the fact that some of you are frowning and not getting the point shows that actually they can be very distracting and not very professional. And I've been at plenty of conferences where they just don't look very good. So meme with caution. If you're with a group of people and you know they're all going to get the point, fair enough. But if you're at a big professional thing, people who don't know you, people who are trying to get, uh, you know, you're trying to get a point across, meme with caution. So if we're putting it all together and we're remembering our lightning slide from before, this can help us to then carry our story forward with some good supportive media. So the patient with abdominal pain, whale or shark, okay, we already mentioned AAA is an important diagnosis, never to miss. 70% of people who come to A&E with a ruptured AAA are not known to have a AAA. There we go. Shark, 70% not known. Key, it's striking. You may get some gasp if you've got some people who are scared of sharks. There you go. Ectopic pregnancy, that's another thing never to miss. What percentage of women are pregnant? All of them, unless we ask. Key point, memorably put across supporting my point with the shark. PE, the needle in the haystack. So shortness of breath, again, a very common presentation. But we should always think about PE in anybody who's short of breath who has syncope. 6% of people with PE will present with syncope. There's our needle, there's our haystack. A nice picture just supporting what we're saying. Data. So one of the Bains of going to any conference, and I'm sure you've all been to conferences like this, is that somebody will come along and talk about a paper that they've done, and they'll present it like this. They will stick the name of their paper at the very top. They will take a diagram straight out of the seat. Oh, you're straight away. I've lost you all. So <laughs> they will stick the name of the t paper right at the top and take a diagram straight out of it and stick it in. So this is just me t messing around with, a, with the last paper that I read. But this is, I think we've all, have you all seen something, examples like this? Yeah? 
And what do they always say? They say, I'm very sorry, this is a busy slide. I'll talk you through it. Don't apologise, why are you doing it in the first place? Okay, because again, how long have you got to find meaning? It's going to take you more than three seconds to process this and you're just going to give up. Start talking to the person sat next to you. Sorry? Well, exactly. What is the point? So, um, I messed around and invented a brand new wonder drug. Okay? And this is a, a table that I've made up of my brand new wonder drug. Okay? And I'm talking to you about my brand new wonder drug that I think is amazing. And I've already lost you because there's this table. And we've all been in presentations like that. I may even lose you even more because I've stuck a graph on it. How busy is this? And this is awful. And I'm going to apologise to you. It's a busy chart, um, slide. I'm really sorry. I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you a red box around the key point that I want you to... Why? Why? The key point here is I want you to know is that my drug halves the mortality rate compared to the standard treatment. If that's my key point, why aren't I just putting a slide up like that? You know, it reduces mortality by 50%. Even more, if I put that, if that was rather than those pills, just some pictures of my wonder drug, even more, it's got that meaning, it's got that key point I want you to take away. Pie charts, do we like them? Florence Nightingale invented them, probably the least best thing she did. Which is the biggest? Red? Purple? So, yeah. So I put it at a funny angle. The colours are in a funny different order to the orders that are up there uh, on the A2E. I may put the values on it, but even then it's taking you time to read round to see, oh, is that bigger than that? Is that bigger than that? Is that bigger than that? Three second rule. Why not just use something like that? Nice simple bar. Immediately you can tell that D is the biggest. Simple. That's all you need to do. Which brings me back to the best slide in the world ever this slide. Don't use the media if you don't need it. The best talk I went to in Berlin last year for SMAC was a talk by uh, a doctor from Africa who basically did this and then talked for a few minutes about how she saw a child die when she was a med student. Simon knows the one, you were there. And it was the best talk and 1,000, 2,000 people in that auditorium were just listening to this one woman and it was brilliant. And it was beautiful in a very tragic way. And all she had was this slide, because she didn't need anything. Ross did the same one in SmackDown. So, use on most clickers, you can uh, black it out. If you press the B button, it's gone. If you're in a dark room and your uh, slide is actually the only source of light in the room, press W, and it will white it out rather than black it out and then you know, you're not going to plunge the room into darkness, which would be distracting. Which brings us on finally to delivery. Okay. Now, we're all different. Some of us are shy, some of us are more extroverted, and it can be difficult to stand up in front of people. And you look at some seasoned performers and you wonder how on earth do they do it? But it's interestingly, they measured the heartbeat of people who have never presented before doing their first ever presentation versus people who've been doing it for years. And their heart rate's the same. They still get that adrenaline rush, they still get going, they just use it differently and they use it to get peak performance. 
This is a video I'm going to show now of a man who I think is one of the great, most inspiring people ever, who's a great educator, and I think this is a great delivery, and he does it all sat down. That's a man in his 90s sat there teaching you, well, telling a story, but actually teaching you about rhinos and dummy charges. And you'll remember that. You've learned something there about rhinos doing dummy charges. And all he is is sat there. He's not needed strobe lights or smoke. He's just shown passion. And that's what you need to do. That's why he's such a great educator and a national treasure. So, P-cubed. I focused a lot on the second part, on media. You might think, therefore, that that's the most important part, but really it isn't. It's the story and it's the delivery. The reason I focused on the media is that that's the stuff I can show you about. That's the stuff about science. That's the stuff about how people think. The story and the delivery comes from you as an educator. It's about finding your story, and it's about finding the best way to deliver it, about to show that passion. And that's what you need to go forward, and that's what you need to think about. Time is ticking on, and time is very important with your presentations. If you've been given an hour slot, aim to have your talk done within 50 minutes. Okay, I appreciate I've broken that rule today. There will always be questions whenever you do a talk. Plan for them. If there aren't questions, and you finish 10 minutes early, great because they're probably overrunning and they can catch up because you finished 10 minutes early. If you've got a 30-minute presentation, aim to be done in about 20 minutes. Get it done, leave the time for questions, leave them wanting more. So where are we going on from here? So Ross Fisher's website, that's his website, foilet.com, I really recommend it. At Foilet, he's on Twitter as well. Give it a read. Lots of the stuff that we've already talked about today. These images that I found were on Pixabay. Again, I really recommend Pixabay. 
There are other websites, but you're looking for the Creative Commons logo, basically. A lot of the theory of, and science of learning I got from the learning scientists. You can find them at Twitter at, at eastthattest or learningscientist.org is their website. And it's all full of things like that. I talked about forwarding on with other people to blogs and things like that. So takeorally.com, our podcast, there is a blog uh, about P-cubed. Okay. This is a QR code. You can make them very easily. QR code generators are on, uh, you just Google it. You take your web address, you put it in, and it'll give you this code. And your audience can get their phone out, put the phone over it, switch it onto photo, put it over that code, and it'll take them straight to the website. It's a very useful, easy way of directing them onto further places. All we need to do is Google QR code generator. Hopefully you feel inspired hopefully. I'm a little worried though, still, that I'm going to end up a bit like the Android Roy. So I've shown you some interesting things today, but I don't want them to be lost in time, like tears in rain. So I want you to get those photos you've taken out, uh, that you've taken. I want you to put them onto Twitter. I want you to use the hashtag, how to do a presentation, but also the hashtag, we will give dream presentations. I want dream to be known as a place that gives great presentations. So if you can do that now, if you took the photos, Simon. What? Done. We've done it already. Well, I need you to do it with the hashtag, Simon. Please do it with the hashtag, Simon. That way I want there to be a permanent point on the internet that we here at Dream have promised that we will always give great presentations. We really need to update this photo as well, don't we? That's on the 22nd. 21st, I think. Hashtag how to do a presentation, hashtag we will give dream presentations. I want people going away from dream going, they do the best presentations I have ever seen. <laughs> we'll stick it on Facebook as well. because you need to type it. Yeah, but normally it kind of gives you a... Yeah, but there won't be because we've invented a hashtag. How's it doing, Simon? Hosting. Awesome. How are we doing, Ali? Yeah, There we go. We've made a promise today to the internet that we will only do great presentations, so don't let the internet down. You've all seen some amazing things. Well, don't let... supposed to be on there as well. Sorry? The supposed to be on there, or just those two? Uh, Jack can find them and retweet them off at NUH Dream. So, I've shown you some amazing things. You've all seen some amazing things. 
Let's not, them, let's not let them be lost. Go forward and tell people of all the great things you've seen. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. That was the Take Orally live recording of uh, PQ'd presentations, how to do a presentation. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, for more information, please check out takeorally.com where we will put up the slides for the presentation as well as the podcast, as well as all the links that are mentioned within the podcast as well. Remember that you can find both NUH Dream and Take Orally on Facebook and Twitter.